Welcome to Cognitive Connections, Conversations on Dementia with the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories. I'm your host, Carrie Candy, and I'm thrilled to have you join us for this insightful journey into the world of dementia. Each episode will bring you thought-provoking discussions with experts, researchers, and people within this community. At the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories, we believe in the power of human connection and aim to create a safe space where we can discuss the challenges, triumphs, and advancements in the field of dementia. So grab a cup of tea, find a comfortable spot, and prepare to embark on a journey of empathy, knowledge, and hope. Together we'll uncover inspiring stories, practical advice, and valuable resources that can help us navigate the path ahead. Welcome, Julie, to our podcast. Thanks for having me. Very happy to have you. Julie, can you give us your title at the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories? I'm the Palliative Care Learning Specialist for this society. Um, Now, I've had a lot of satisfaction out of my job in communications here at the society. I find it's a wonderful way that I can learn my craft, but also be constantly feeling like I'm contributing. I'm giving back a little bit. And it hits close to home because both of my grandparents had dementia and um, to know that what I'm doing is helping with creating a better environment for people that are affected by dementia today really is quite satisfying for, for a work life. And I'm curious, you have a nursing background. How did Mm -hmm. that fit in with the role that you have now with the society? So I started working as a nurse uh, 20 years ago already. (laughs) And um, I've had various, I've worked in various environments. I started off working in the intensive care units. Mm -hmm. And then um, I became really aware of... um, death and dying at that time Um, and because it probably is more of an environment that's um, that where that happens more frequently Um, but then I transitioned into um, into home care where I've worked for the last 10 years and I came to work with people of um, all different backgrounds with all kinds of different illnesses and one of them being dementia I became interested in palliative care when I was working in the intensive care units. Um, One thing that struck me was people would experience long diseases, especially heart disease. And then uh, when they would come to the intensive care, really at the end of their life, they often, they, and I want to say the person uh, with the disease and their care partners were taken off guard they were not prepared for where they were at in their journey, yet they had been living with this disease for a long time. So I became very interested in the concept of advanced care planning and how do we prepare people to walk down that path uh, with the specific illness they're uh, living with. Um, so I've, I've always been interested in that aspect and helping really to make a difference in how well people live their life with whatever diseases they have. 
And on a personal side, I've also had grandparents who lived with dementia and cognitive decline at the end of their lives. And it's really shaped how I've seen people evolve in their older age. And yeah, me too. I feel a great satisfaction being able to provide some assistance in how they're going to experience their later years. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a great combination for me. Kind of puts the puzzles together in my career. (laughs) (laughs) So Julie, I think I am like quite a few people in that I'm not quite understanding palliative care and where it fits. Can you tell me a little bit of the background or the history behind palliative care? Sure. Yeah, the movement really started in the late 60s with a physician out of the UK, um, Dr. Saunders, (laughs) Billy (laughs) Saunders. She um, was looking after people who were dying of cancer. Now, if you remember in the 1960s, there wasn't Having a diagnosis of cancer meant that you certainly would die fairly quickly because there was no effective treatment. And so she really focused her career and started a movement of how do we look after people who have life-limiting illness and how do we provide good, compassionate care? Um, She founded the first hospice, St. Christopher's Hospice in the UK, and the movement started to spread around the world. So it came to Canada in the 70s, and a few, um, there's a few units in hospital that were open that would look specifically after people towards the end of their life. Now, at some point, there is some evolution that there's a piece of dying and how do we look after people at the end of their life. But there's also a lot of living now that happens with diseases because medical treatments have evolved and people will live a long time with serious illnesses. So we kind of experienced a shift where we saw the benefits from a palliative approach to care when the chronic illnesses and the cancers were, would, you would live longer with them. And then the hospice being more specifically around the care of someone that's at the end of their life. So in the 90s and the 2000s is kind of where we started to see that shift in survival rates of cancer treatments, but also of heart disease, kidney disease, liver disease, people living for a very long time. Um, And then trying to, in the early 2000s, there was a a document that was uh, published by the Canadian Hospice and Palliative Care Association that's called The Way Forward, and really talking about how do we integrate the palliative approach to care into the experience of chronic diseases so that people get the same benefits than that we have offered typically at the end of life, but offering that peace earlier on in order to promote quality of life from the beginning of the illness journey. So that's kind of how it evolved. Now, if we think about how it sits in society's psyche as far as palliative care goes, a lot of people associated with end of life, mm-hmm. but it is much more than that. So it's, yeah. it's had to adapt. It has, yes, because the way we live and the way we die is much different than it was a hundred years ago. And that will keep on changing it's, and we need to change too. So yeah. um, little bits by bits. 
So really, it's it's a it's a shift in the way people look at it. It's had to adapt because of the medical advances and people living longer with yeah. serious disease. But at the same time, a lot of people, the way they hear the word palliative or the word hospice or anything like that, they just associate it with death. And it's yes. quite, yeah. Yes, yeah. oftentimes they do. And uh, I don't blame them. Um, it's it's how it's evolved. And it's, yeah, we're just at the beginning of the evolution, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so what are the, changing. what would you say are the key components of palliative care? So the, they really base the, the work on an integrated teamwork, meaning there's not just a physician or a nurse that's providing care. There's going to be um, a chaplain a lot of time to look at spiritual needs, social workers, occupational therapists, physiotherapists, and they all work together to address the different types of suffering someone may have. Um, the other piece is there's really a high emphasis on the on the management of physical symptoms such as pain but there can be other physical symptoms like difficulty with mobilizing with walking there can be lots of shortness of breath the experience of um, different other types of, of symptoms depending on what what someone what kind of disease someone has and it, really looking at holistic care. So we're not just looking at the person with the disease, we're looking at who's supporting that person. So care partners, family, friends, whoever comes and helps that support that person will be also included in the care provision. Um, caring, compassionate and skilled providers are at the center. So people that are very knowledgeable about the disease process providing timely and responsive care. So not waiting for a crisis to happen, but to intervene early. And the one of the biggest, um, the last piece is providing patient and care partners preparedness as to what is coming ahead down the journey. So there's no surprise. There's a so it's, it's really like planning ahead and it's it gives maybe a ment mental health benefit as well, right? It's not just being physically prepared ahead. No, exactly. Like. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's having the mental image in your mind of having an idea of the road you're going to walk down that journey and and providing a little bit of anticipating guidance so that you're not as surprised. You do have a chance to prepare for what's coming ahead um, and at, at the same time grasping on opportunities to maintain your hope and and plan and, and finish things that you have always wanted to do and never had time to do but this is the time we're talking to the people you really want to talk to before the end of the journey now I'm this off obviously applies to a link of disease. It's not, you don't do this at the right. last two weeks of your life. You right. want to have plenty of time. You want to be able to say, you know what, here's my bucket list. I'm going to start now before yeah. X, Y, Z happens. And I can't, I can no longer do that. So it takes away some uncertainty too, I guess. I mean, obviously you can't tell them exactly what's going to happen, but at least you can provide that opportunity, like you're saying, to perhaps get some 
quality time in with family and do some of the things you've been wanting to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think healthcare professionals see many people who live with, if you go see a neurologist example for someone who's been diagnosed with dementia, the neurologist has seen hundreds of people living with this disease. They have an idea of what that progression is going to look like. And so although they can't tell you how it's going to feel, how the emotions you're going to you're going to experience, they can tell you this is typically what I see. At this point, these are the changes you'll observe and this is how it's going to impact your life. Now, before this change happens, you may want to talk think about things that you've always wanted to do. Um, trips you've wanted to take, people you've been meaning to go and visit for a long time. And then when that next step happens, this is how we are going to help you to support you better. <laughs> people describe a range of emotions related to being a care partner of someone with dementia, including guilt, confusion, resentment, helplessness, grief, and sadness. We often hear questions like, what do you do when they don't want to take a shower anymore? How do I communicate with them effectively? Or how am I going to afford this? The Seeds of Hope Family Learning Series from the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and the Northwest Territories helps answer these types of questions and defines phases of dementia in terms of the caregiving journey you face as the person with dementia progresses through the disease. The educational series is offered in person at our regional offices and online at alzheimer.av.ca. The online series is presented through video segments with participation from people living with dementia and care partners. Both the in-person and online series offers participants an opportunity to reflect on care and support strategies and connect with others in similar circumstances. Again, head to our website, alzheimer.av.ca, under Asant Cafe to find out more. Um, tell me about some commonly asked questions that you encounter in your role with mm. the society? Yeah, a lot of people, ex like we talked about earlier, the they associate palliative care with dying. So when a physician or healthcare team is talking about palliative care, it does not mean that you're dying. What it means is that we're offering the person living with the disease an opportunity to focus on quality of life at the same time as traditional uh, medical approach, meaning you get an ammonia because you're receiving palliative care. It doesn't mean that we're not going to give you antibiotic. It means that we will talk to you about what that means in terms of where you're at in your disease progression, how it's going to impact you how successful it may be, but also what the side effects may be. And then mm -hmm. that person and their care partner can enter into a, a discussion about the pros and cons. Sometimes for some people, they see, you know what, I, I'm done. This mm -hmm. is not, having a pneumonia is a blessing. I'm not ready to, 
um, be cured from this because my quality of life is no longer there. Mm -hmm. But for some people early on in their disease, they're still, they're still functioning. They're still able to go on trips. They're still able to enjoy family. They get a pneumonia and they say, you know what? I want, I want more time. And palliative care approach will support that piece as well. That's great. So let's talk about some other common questions. Can palliative care be provided at any time of diagnosis to serious illness? Absolutely. So a lot of, if we look at the, the needs are going to vary depending on where you're at in your journey. A lot of time at the beginning of someone's illness trajectory, when you get a diagnosis, for example, the diagnosis of dementia, a lot of people feel like they've been, they've had a, you know, they've hit a brick wall. This is life changing. I get all, it's going to alter the way my future is going to look like. So at the beginning of the journey, there's a lot of need for information about what this is going to look like. And those, that palliative approach can definitely help with that piece. And then the need may not be as pronounced. So you might not have a lot of needs for a palliative approach for quite some time. But then as the disease progressed, and there might be physical symptoms, but there might also be psychological symptoms um, that need to be addressed. So those pieces, it will vary, but it's always offered together with traditional medical approach. Um, that's focused on maintaining function for as long as possible and preventing complications. Um, what does palli a palliative doctor do differently than other doctors? I've always wondered this. Yeah, so they have specific medical training that's really focused on quality of life. So they will approach symptoms that a, tr a, a physician from a different training background uh, they will they will approach it to how is this impacting the person experiencing the symptoms and their their care partners and how can we work to minimize that as much as possible, knowing that some of the time it will prolong life and some of the time it doesn't. But really, the goal is we're focusing on something a, a treatment that will give you the best quality of life for whatever time that is. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really their their philosophy. And I mean, really, when I go to my GP or um, any of my other doctors, whether it be neurological, what have you, shouldn't all of them be concerned with, the, with what's happening with the diagnosis? Yes, yes they should. Absolutely. And um, they do, and at the same time, they're, the way they are trained is very much to preserve function for as much as possible. Sometimes we pay a high price for very, very intense treatments, knowing that the recovery is going to be well and that's acceptable to people. And that's usually the a traditional medical approach. That's how they will... Um, present options to you. So the palliative care side is really um, meant to complement that and say, okay, we're going to offer treatments, but they are going to also, we're going to make sure that those treatments align with your wishes and provide you the best quality of life. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if I'm looking for information on palliative care in, in my journey, how do I get in, into contact with the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories? So there's great, there's several ways to um, get in contact with the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories. The, the easiest one is through FirstLink, which is the referral, main referral program for the Alzheimer's Society. This can be done two ways. It can be done through your healthcare professional, so your family doctor, your GP, a nurse practitioner, or even a nurse if you're connected with home care. Um, the other pieces you can self-refer. So uh, through the website of the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories, you'll find all the contact information and you can you don't have to wait for a healthcare professional. You can refer yourself to the society. There's also great information uh, with, on the website of the society and that's another way to get in touch with us. Thank you so much for your time, Julie, and, and discussing palliative care and how it relates to a dementia diagnosis and your work at the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories. Before we go, though, I just want to ask you, what would you say to someone who is facing a diagnosis either for themselves or for their care partner? And what would you like them to know about mm. palliative care? Having a diagnosis of dementia is life-changing, but there's help. You're not alone. You don't have to walk this journey in the dark with a flashlight trying to make sense of everything. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of people that can help you shed some light into what the journey looks like ahead for you and your care partner or and, um, and just reach out and we can help you walk that journey with you. Great, thank you so much, Julie. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cognitive Connections, conversations on dementia with the Alzheimer's Society of Alberta and Northwest Territories. We hope you found our discussion valuable and insightful. Remember, the power of connection and understanding can make a real difference in the lives of those with dementia. If you're looking for additional resources, support, or more information on dementia, head over to our website at alzheimer.ab.ca. Here you'll find a wealth of resources, support, programs, and more. We encourage you to share this podcast with anyone who may benefit from these conversations and leave us a review. Join us again next time as we continue to explore the multifaceted aspects of dementia with our insightful guests. Until then, take care, stay connected, and remember that every conversation counts in the realm of cognitive connections.